Pastor Ray Bentley says a certain parable reveals where salvation comes from. Jesus gave this little parable about the growth of the seed, and he said once the seed has been planted, the farmer goes out and sows liberally, and then he sleeps at night, he goes out and he tends his responsibilities during the day, but he is not personally the one who makes the seed grow. God does. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. What's our responsibility in bringing people to Christ? Our responsibility is to tell them the good news. God has said he'll do the rest. We can get so bogged down with the idea of winning souls, or at least winning the debate about spiritual things. Today, we'll see where to plant the seed and let God take it from there. Shall we open our Bibles to the Gospel, the Good News according to Mark, chapter 4, the title of the message, Valuable Lessons. Jesus is our teacher tonight. As he ministers and as he disciples, as he calls us to follow him. And Jesus is sharing a series of parables to teach and to disciple his followers. And so, we come now to the parable of the growing seed. Uh, Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples what the kingdom of God will be like and what it will look like. Now, of course, shortly he is making his way to Jerusalem. He has already told them and will tell them again uh, that he is going to be rejected and crucified and fulfill the ancient uh, prophecies about the suffering servant of the Lord and then rise from the dead and ascend into heaven. And so what will then the church look like or what will the kingdom of God look like after he has risen from the dead? And he, he uses this parable to describe it. We read in verse 26, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So Jesus is describing the kingdom of God and he, he says it's like, he uses the analogy that a farmer would use of seed uh, and putting it into the ground. And then once the farmer has prepared the ground, once he has planted the seed, then he has to be patient. He has to wait for the harvest to come in. So he talks about that he sleeps at night, he goes out during the day, he tends, pulls maybe the weeds, he's waiting and he's watching. Uh, but there's something mysterious that is going on. And as I mentioned here in your notes, only God can make the seed grow. Only the Lord God can make his kingdom grow. Amen? And this is important to remember. Uh, the growth of the seed is something that you can't explain. There is a mystery to the growth 
of the seed uh, and the development of the harvest. And so like farming, the ministry takes a great deal of faith and a great deal of patience. And I know that there are many here tonight that you have, we, we all have a place in the harvest fields of the Lord. We all have gifts that have been given to us. We're all called to serve in the ministry of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And the Lord is trying uh, through this parable in particular to bring a word of encouragement. He is basically saying, look, uh, it is my father's responsibility. It is the work of the Holy Spirit, the seed of the word of God. Once it is planted, only God can make it grow. So you have to, whether your, your farm may be as little as your family and your loved ones and those that you are wanting to, to raise in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, uh, you must be patient and you must have faith in the ultimate farmer, which is the Father in heaven, that he is able to make it grow. And, and being in the ministry, no matter how big or how small, requires much patience. In the parable of the sower and the soils, uh, the Lord gives the suggestion as, uh, you know, the, the idea is you're going out and you're throwing seed everywhere and, and you sow liberally when you're a farmer. You want to, because you want to make sure you get every inch of every corner of your field. And, and so the seed is, is available and it's plentiful and, and you throw it out liberally. Now, some of it, in other words, they don't come to the edge and go, oh, I don't want a few seeds to go over here on the, on the other side that hasn't been prepared. You just throw it, you cover the corners, the middle, the north, south, east, and west, every part of the field. But there's a lot of the seed, much of the seed scattered falls on unproductive soil, and that's okay. The encouragement here is that if the word of God and the promises of God and in our lives as we share the word, as we share the gospel, as, as we share the promises of God, as we become living witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about, oh, maybe I'm not saying it right or I'm not going to be as effective or I, I'm not uh, smart enough. Sow the seed of the word of God and the promises of God in your life liberally. Whether, don't be thinking, oh, they wouldn't accept this or they wouldn't like that or they wouldn't appreciate a scripture here or sharing a truth there. No, you just share the seed of the promises of God and the word of God liberally. It doesn't matter because you don't know that the soil is the responsibility of the Father in heaven. He is the one that takes uh, the, the responsibility for the various kinds of soil. So being in the ministry, and we're all called to be in the ministry, and we're all uh, laborers in the harvest for the Lord, can be very discouraging. Life, we live in an imperfect world, and you get discouraged. Uh, and my life isn't making a difference, and I'm not having the kind of impact I thought that I should. And uh, we worry when we find soils or lives or hearts that are not responding. And we're taking on anxiety and responsibility that really is not ours. <laughs> so how many would agree life is tough enough? We don't need to add more sorrow and more pressure upon ourselves. 
So Jesus, knowing this, gave this little parable about the growth of the seed, and he said, once uh, the soil has been prepared, and once the seed has been planted, uh, the, the farmer goes out and sows liberally, and then he sleeps at night, he goes out and he tends his responsibilities during the day, but he is not personally the one who makes the seed grow. God does. God can take any part of his word and he can move upon the hearts of those who maybe it seems like they're hard today. You, you share something with them. And it seems like, you know, it's like hard ground. It didn't penetrate at all. But you have no idea what the Holy Spirit is capable of in a matter of just a few hours or a few moments uh, to take, as it were, and rake that heart and to dig deep the furrows. And all of a sudden, that little seed that was up on the hard ground falls several inches down below. And then a beautiful hand covers that seed with earth and the beautiful mystery of the growth of the seed. God's word never returns void, amen? amen. It's powerful. The seed of the word of God is powerful. Therefore, it has life in itself. It has the ability to produce a harvest. And God is the one who is in charge of the harvest. So don't be discouraged. The Lord wants to reassure us that in due season, we shall reap a harvest if we faint not. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. So he is encouraging us in that. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. It's such a blessing to hear from our radio listeners who found biblical help and hope through this ministry. Dear Ray Bentley, I was at a very low time in my life a time when I was starting to question the existence of God. I felt as if God was nowhere in my time of need. I received one of your radio offers about discouragement. It opened my eyes and showed me that God was everywhere. In fact, I see now that God allowed me to endure this time of pain to strengthen my love and commitment toward Him. It's funny how God works sometimes. Right when you think He's nowhere to be found, there He is. How have these studies in God's Word had an impact on your life or impacted your family? Would you drop Pastor Ray an email and let him know? Write ray at raybentley.com. That's ray at raybentley.com. It would be such an encouragement to hear from you today. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. And then he goes on to tell another parable. And this kind of builds on the former parable of the growth of the seed and not to be discouraged. In verse 30, then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? I kind of like this. Jesus is thinking and there's, there's like a, a variety or a kaleidoscope of different illustrations, probably all from nature that you could see or that were part of everyday life. Jesus had a way of looking at everyday life and everything was a living illustration of the truth of walking in the spirit. Because from the heavenly perspective, nature and the supernatural walk hand in hand. We divide them and separate them. This is spiritual, this is just worldly. But from our father's perspective, no. Everything that was made is good. Everything that he made is good and therefore everything has a supernatural origin, was made by God, created by God and has lessons within it. 
has parables within it that we can learn from. So the parable of the mustard seed, he's saying, now what shall I liken the kingdom of God uh, to? Or with what parable shall we picture it? Ah, he thinks of one and it comes easily to mind. It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown in the ground is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. All right, so Jesus is explaining to a very small group of followers and disciples the nature of the kingdom of God. And so the one thing that he mentions and takes notice of this little mustard seed, he is telling us that the kingdom of the Messiah will have very small and very humble beginnings. Now, it is the greatest desire of all of us to be like Jesus. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? <laughs> then do not be afraid of small beginnings, humble beginnings. So often we think about ministry and we want to, we want to jump in you know, to something big because we want to make a big difference or maybe have a big impact. <laughs> but here we have the Messiah, the servant of the Lord, who is willing uh, to humble himself and to come down and to be born and to be incarnate into human flesh and whose ministry is so small and, and is so humble in its very beginning. It's like a mustard seed. Even the Messiah, who is God manifest in the flesh, his ministry began humble and small and unobserved in so many ways, like a mustard seed. Now the mustard seed is not necessarily the smallest seed in all of nature, but in Israel in particular, it was known in that part of the world, even the rabbis would say that uh, a mustard seed, they would use it as the smallest amount possible, just a little tiny mustard seed. And yet despite its very tiny, small size, it was known to grow and grow larger than any of the garden plants and literally to become a tree. And this is what Jesus is now telling his disciples. He is giving to them a pattern to follow, his own pattern, that their ministries and their unique calling, I mean, I mean they had the responsibility of bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth that it would start small and it would start humble. And despite its size, it would have huge impact. So when you think about the, the ministry of the Messiah, here you have Jesus and, and you essentially have, a, so you have a rabbi who has uh, from Galilee called 12 men to be part of his religious movement. This was extremely small, even within the Jewish world. And here the Messiah begins his ministry with 12. Now add to this, that this is the messianic kingdom that according to the prophets would have a global outreach and impact upon the world. And where does God choose to begin? He chooses the smallest amount of people, the Jewish people who make up less than one-tenth of 1% of the population of the whole world. He couldn't have picked a smaller group of people. 
They are one of the smallest, maybe not the smallest, but certainly right there in competition for the smallest uh, group of people anywhere upon the planet. And then it's interesting that having begun so humbly and having begun so small, then Jesus, uh, according to some commentators, goes on to describe that this tree grows and has birds lodging in its branches and they make reference that Jesus may have been referring and quoting the book of Daniel. If you remember the book of Daniel in chapter 4 verse 12 and Nebuchadnezzar and there's this image that is given of a, of a tree representing his life and it has branches that grow and that are large and that are huge and, and even the birds nesting in it and it was God's way of revealing to him that, that I have given to you an empire that reaches beyond the borders of your own country uh, here in Babylon, and you are literally nourishing many Gentile nations, many people around the world. So in this context, the birds seem to apply to the Gentile nations of the earth. And even as the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar encompassed the ancient world, so Jesus is now saying that the kingdom of God, though it's going to start in this tiny little land, of Israel with this tiny group of people, the Jewish people, and even with that, he only has 12 of them right now, that this movement started by the Messiah, the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Bible will have an impact that will touch every nation, every language, every kindred, and every tribe around the world. What starts with Jesus and 12 Jewish followers will expand beyond the borders of Israel and will impact every nation and every continent on the planet. And so that one day the gospel will have gone all the way around the world and even come back again as a witness there in Jerusalem so that they will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and God will pour his spirit out even there in Jerusalem and upon uh, Mount Moriah and Mount Zion and the kingdom of God will come in all of its fullness and all of its glory. We live in an hour right now where God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. And I have just recently come back uh, from the Middle East and from the country of Egypt and I have heard firsthand reports of how God is sovereignly and supernaturally penetrating that part of the world. You see, God began to work in Jerusalem and then it went west and, and it went into Europe and it went to the Americas and it's gone all the way around and up and through Africa and now it's been sweeping through Asia. And now it is making its way through that land called the 1040 window. All the lands from Asia and China going all the way back to Jerusalem. And in fact, over just about 100 years ago, there were some of our Chinese brothers and sisters who had dreams and visions and prophecies that God had given them the task. It was almost like the gospel was going around the world like a relay race. And every continent had its day and its age of spreading the gospel and taking it and then passing the baton as it were to the next continent and sweeping around the world. And they were given as it were this picture and image that they were running the last leg from China 
back to Jerusalem and they started a hundred years ago what was called the Back to Jerusalem Movement and have been going from China and from various countries in Asia and going through the 1040 window all the way back through those lands that are mentioned in the Bible, like Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran, and coming all the way back even to Jerusalem. And this is what's going on. And so now we're living in this time, in this glorious day and in this glorious hour where the small seed has literally touched the whole world. Now, Jesus did not say that that, uh, the whole world would become Christian. He did not say that Christianity would take over every government and every empire. What Jesus was saying was that the gospel would permeate and that God would have a remnant from every land, a remnant from every people, a remnant of every tribe, a remnant of every nation, a remnant of every tongue, so that in heaven there will be a mass of people from every nation, language, kindred, and tribe saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. He didn't say the whole world would be Christian, but the gospel would make its way around the whole world. And so we live in the time, and, and now even you know, so exciting. So many different ministries are kind of describing and missions, the end game as they describe it. And through technology and through the internet, uh, a global mission outreach on the internet, you know, every day, uh, tens of thousands of people are coming to the Lord on the internet. We're living in the decade right now from 2010 to 2020, where there is a plan Uh, that is being implemented, where before this decade is out, they will have satellites that will cover every spot on the planet. There will be no place where you do not get satellite coverage. And there literally are companies and countries uh, that are targeting giving phones away. Uh, They call it uh, O3B, the other three billion that don't yet have Sonfels. They're giving them to them. And they said that by 2020, all seven billion people will have, one way or another, a cell phone. And there are Christian ministries that are bringing the gospel through the media and through the internet. And even GMO, by themselves, they said, we believe that we'll be able to reach all the people of the planet uh, through the internet with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they will have heard the gospel one way or another at least seven times. Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the, what? And come. I mean, think about that for a moment. You and I are the first generation in two millennium that are within a few years of having the capacity to literally reach seven billion people with the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ, that everyone will hear, everyone will have an opportunity to hear the gospel of Christ. And Jesus said, when the whole world has heard, he says, then shall the end come. Amen. Exciting possibilities on the horizon. Pastor Ray Bentley with a fascinating look at how far the gospel is reaching today. Now, today's study here on Maranatha Radio is titled Valuable Lessons. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
When you first arrive at our homepage, when you click Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll find Pastor Ray's latest books there, too. His new books, On the Mountain of the Lord, and his latest, The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on our site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.